We are starting a brand new series today, uh, if you're visiting with us, um, called Under Pressure. And uh, this is just something, the moment we announced that we were going to be doing this series, we had so many people say, yes, thank you, Jesus, I need this, um, because we all deal with pressure in our lives. And our hope is to encourage you and to help you find grace in times of stress. We deal with stress to varying degrees. It is a, a part of life. It's a part of life for us in a big city like Joburg with time constraints and work pressure and deadlines and financial pressure is a big thing with how um, the economy has been struggling and prices have gone up um, so drastically. The petrol price and the rand has fallen and um, there's all kinds of pressure. And, and we also experience a lot of relational pressure. You know, it's difficult. People are difficult. We, we're complex. We're, we're messy at, at times. And, and to be in a family or to be in a relationship, to be in a marriage, all of these things can genuinely add pressure to our lives. And uh, one thing that we see in Scripture is that Jesus was acquainted with pressure. Jesus knew what it was like to have stress in his life. Believe it or not, he knew what it was like to be so busy that he didn't feel like he even had time to do the basic things in life. And we're going to look at, at, at one story here in Mark chapter number 3. So to kick off under pressure, can you turn with me to Mark chapter number 3 and verse 7. And I'm going to read a, a couple of verses here up to verse 21 together. Mark chapter number 3 and verse 7. And it says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. Talk about pressure. Um, talk about facing it, talk about having a demand placed on your life. Jesus knew what it was like, and we're going to look at a few things in His life and uh, in His heart, in God's heart for us, um, that will hopefully encourage you today. Uh, but let's go ahead and pray together. Uh, Jesus, we thank You so much this morning that we can right now just be encouraged uh, by Your Spirit, Lord God. We thank You for a spirit of peace. We thank You for a spirit of joy. We thank You for a spirit of rest in this place, Lord God. Not rest in the sense of just taking a physical breather, but rest in the sense of putting our faith in You and trusting that You are in control so we can let go and, uh, and, and, and enjoy life and, and not allow the pressures of life to overwhelm us. Father, we just pray right now that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us by your Holy Spirit, and we give you all the glory and the honor for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So pressure has a real impact on your life. 
It has the ability to genuinely affect things, to, to, to affect your relationships, to ref, uh, affect um, the way that you live your life on a daily basis. And if, you've, and if you've ever doubted this, and I don't think we, any of us doubt this, but if you have ever doubted this, just try and do something that would normally be easy for you to do and then add like a pressure element to it, a time constraint or financial issues or a distraction of some sort or relational difficulty. You'll find that even the simple things in life become difficult to do. And I remember one time when I went to the Wanderers Golf Course uh, late on a Friday afternoon, um, and I was a lot younger. In fact, I was only about 19 years old. I was just kind of getting into golf at the time. And uh, I went to the Wanderers Golf Course with a friend late Friday afternoon, and we were going to try and play nine holes before the sunset. And so as we're standing in the pro shop, um, the, that the Springbok coach that was coach at that time, Nick Mallett, he walks into the pro shop with one other guy. He was the Springbok coach at the time. And the next day, the Springboks were playing against the All Blacks um, at Ellis Park. And so we're standing in there and in walks, you know, the Springbok coach. And I remember still feebly as he walked by, because I was like a massive fan, I was like, hi, hi, Nick. And he ignored me. Like he just, he just walked on by. And the other guy that was with him laughed at me which is like, fine, if you ignore me, but then, then don't have your friend laugh at me, okay? Because as a 19-year-old, I was crushed. Um, and so I was like, okay, that was embarrassing. And then I go out to the course and we want to tee off, but the sun is too low and uh, essentially we won't be able to have them tee off and then wait for them and then tee off ourselves. And so Nick Mallet himself says, why don't you guys just join us? We'll make a four ball and we'll play golf. So I get the opportunity to play with the Springbok coach when at that point in my life, my greatest dream was to play for the Springboks. I was like, this is the break. This is it. This is how it's going to happen. He's going to see my amazing swing and be like, why don't you come and play for us at the Springboks? You know, um, I don't know how I thought it was all going to work out, but I was like, this is great. I get to golf with Nick Mallett, the Springbok rugby coach, and I'm the first to tee off. And uh, Nick Mallett is behind me. And so I tee up the ball, and I hit it into the Wanderers cricket ground. It just went directly that way and ended up in the Wanderers cricket ground. And then, and then they all teed off, but because the sun was setting, they all walked ahead. And I was like, don't worry, you guys go ahead. I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'll just drive it again from here. And then when I drove that one, I just hit it straight into some bushes right in front of me. And so when they weren't looking, because it's a bit of a hill down the first, when they weren't looking, I picked it up with my hand and threw it. Just threw it, just so that I could be in the fairway. Because I don't want to keep Nick Mallet waiting. You know why? <laughs> the pressure that I felt was immense. And so this kept happening. I was playing the worst round of golf of my life. It was just horrible. And so, you know, at one point, um, Nick Mallet actually tells me that uh, I should maybe go to the driving range first. And, and I said to him, but you know what? I want to get it right, man. I'm showing him how committed I am. And he was like, yeah, but you don't get it right here on the golf course. You've got to go to the driving range first. I'm like, you're the Springbok coach. I'm going to do whatever you say. And so the very next tee box we get to, I take out the driver. It's a par five. And I'm like, I'm going to show Nick Mallett that I can overcome these obstacles. And so I tee up my ball, but I'm thinking, and so he says, remember, your ball's teed up, so you don't hit the ground. You've got to sweep over the ground. And I'm like, I know that, but it sounds so much better when he says it. Um, and so I line up this ball, and I hit the ground so hard that a divot bounces over my ball, and my ball still stays on the tee. And, uh, 
man, I wanted to, I wanted to like just die, you know, uh, because I was thinking to myself the whole time, Nick Mallet, the Springbok coach, just told you, do not hit the ground. So whatever you do, do not hit the ground. And then obviously I hit it so hard. Um, and so this is what pressure does to us. It, it puts us in this position where we just, we struggle to function properly. And honestly, you can feel like you're drowning. You can feel like you get lost in all of that. Just there's so many things that come at you. I've had times in my life where I felt like Nehemiah, who when he was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, had uh, enemies attacking him at the same time. And so at one point they were attacked on 10 different fronts trying to rebuild the, the walls of Jerusalem. And so the Bible tells us that they would build and have like a, a spade in one hand or something to build with in one hand and a sword, a weapon in the other hand. And that's often how our lives feel, is that you can't just build. You can't just, you know, go ahead and, and, and just have a clear path to do what you want to, to do. Uh, so many times it's like you're fighting while you're trying to build. And it can be overwhelming. It can be tiring. And we genuinely need God's grace. The encouraging thing this morning is that Jesus we know, dealt with pressure. He dealt with pressure from, from different fronts, like Nehemiah. And one of those fronts that Jesus dealt pressure, got pressure from was his critics. Jesus was absolutely hated by the religious leaders, by the Pharisees. He was despised, and they were at every single, every single place he went to, every single time he was just trying to do some good. He was trying to pray for people and help people and show people what the kingdom of God is like. He's just trying to do good, and he faces opposition in every single one of those moments. There's always this little band of critics that travel with him that are just waiting for him to slip up. In fact, they're testing him. They ask him difficult questions, and they present him with difficult situations. And so many times it says they sought to actually kill him. He constantly had criticism about everything that he was doing. And it's amazing. When you step out to do something good in your life, you think that everybody would just support you. You know, even in planting a church, you think that people would just be positive about this. And then you find out. You read some of the emails that we get as a church, you find out not everybody is so pumped about you starting a church as what you are. Whatever you may have set out to do in your life, oftentimes there's criticism. There are critics. There are people that are just, you know, you, under that pressure of people just waiting for you to slip up so that they can say, you see, we knew this, that they would fail. We knew they wouldn't be able to do it. We knew, you know, like, we knew it all along that they were, that they were going to be washouts and they were going to be failures. And we can experience those pressures oftentimes in our lives, just like Jesus did. So he was dogged by the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Jesus had the pressure of meeting the needs of the crowds, the pressure of, of, of doing ministry, the pressure of, of helping people, and, and, and the pressure of popularity. Sometimes the most pressure comes not when you're facing criticism, but when you have a level of success. When, when you have power, when you have success, when you start moving forward in your life, now you start to feel the weight of the responsibility of, of, of what you're doing and, and, and the people's lives that you are responsible for and, and, and the crowds and the, the demand that is put on your time. People want to talk to you. People constantly want to have meetings. People constantly want to, to, to be involved in your life. And so just like Jesus, he had these crowds from everywhere to the point that he actually says to the guys, just in a very practical note, hey guys, get a boat ready because these people might crush me. Like I might need to escape and, and swim out to a boat 
um, or get in the boat and push out to sea so that I wouldn't be crushed by the crowds. Jesus faced that pressure. In fact, the Bible tells us there in that verse that he didn't even have time to eat. Have you ever been so busy you didn't even have time to eat? There's so many crowds demanding Jesus' time that he doesn't even have time to sit down and have a meal. He has to eat on the run or, or just go hungry. And I know that when I get busy, that's something that happens. Like you just forget to eat. So Jesus knew what that was like. So not only did, did Jesus have pressure from critics, not only did he have pressure from the crowds and from the, the demands of ministry, but Jesus also had pressure from his own family, relational pressure. When people don't understand, when your own family and your own friends don't understand what you're doing or they disagree with something that you're doing in your life or with the decision that you've made and they put pressure, and it most of the time comes from a good place where, they, where they're just genuinely concerned, but, but oftentimes you face pressure from those closest to you, relational pressure. And this is, for me, has been always, like, I can deal with hard work, I can deal with the hectic schedules, but for me, relational pressure burns me out quicker than anything. If I feel like there's const a constant um, area of strife, emotionally, I just get worn out very, very quickly. And so relational pressure can really hurt when our closest, the closest people to us um, disappoint us and, and, and hurt us. And so Jesus had this. It says that his family went out to seize him because they said he's out of his mind. He's the son of God. <laughs> and people are being healed. And he's doing miraculous things. And they're like, we've got to go and catch him because he's out of his mind. When, when your family doesn't understand what God has placed in your heart and in your life, um, it can be really difficult. And so I think that we've all kind of gotten good at handling pressure but more than actually dealing with it or handling it, we're more than likely hiding it. We've become very good at hiding the pressure and doing little things to try and, uh, and, and, and relieve ourselves of pressure. And it's amazing how, um, how just that little bit of, of, a, of a niggly pressure in your life can actually change your whole attitude towards everyday life. If it goes on consistently, where you constantly, you, you actually develop a negative culture in your own heart and in your own life. And I don't think that's the culture that God wants for us. I think God wants us to be people of faith, people who are positive, people who believe in what is yet to come. But if you've gone through setback after setback after setback after setback, it really becomes difficult to be positive. And so we don't want to just be positive for positive's sake and, and just because, you know, we want to be one of those kind of, people get a little bit weird around the whole positivity vibe. You know, we want to be vulnerable, we want to be honest, but we want to always be full of faith. That even though right now might be difficult, that God is ultimately going to do some, uh, something and we believe in Him and what He is doing. But when you hide this long enough, eventually it leads to burnout. And I have burnt out in my life before. Uh, back in, in uh, 2010, 2010, um, I was doing so much. I'd been in ministry for a couple of years. Uh, my wife and I had gone through a difficult situation um, with, with uh, the babies that we lost in 2009. Our theology failed us. Ministry, we were at church every day and every single night. And we just, our systems just couldn't take it anymore. And so at one point uh, around, I think it was around May uh, of 2010, um, I got sick. And I stayed sick for eight months. I just got like normal flu, but it just wouldn't go away. And so I went to the doctor, and the doctor said to me, he did every kind of test on me, and he said, you have 
your, your entire system, your immune system, he did every kind of indicator and even chest x-rays and everything. And he was like, there's nothing wrong with you. There is nothing physically wrong with you. And so he prescribed me some sleeping tablets. He's like, you need, you need to sleep. You're burnt out. And that came from an emotional burnout of hiding um, some of the stresses that I had dealt with for so long. And so what Jesus invites us to do is not to hide our stress or just to push through it, but to actually find rest in Him. This is where genuine, true rest comes from. I remember hearing a line in a movie once where they said, you know, the kind of tired I am, I can't take a vacation for. (laughs) And there's a kind of tired that we have that we can't take a vacation for, that we can't take a holiday for. It's, 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 it's It's an unsettledness. It's a brokenness. It's a it's a feeling of, of, of stressfulness that comes from, from within. And God invites us to find rest in Jesus. This is Jesus' invitation in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. He simply says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You labor and you're heavy laden. You, you're carrying a lot of stuff. You're under pressure. I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I mean, this is just, it's so beautiful what Jesus is saying. It's like, I can see that you're, you're bearing weight. I see that you're, that, you're, that you're under pressure. I see that you're facing stress. I see that you're fighting for significance, and you're, you're trying to make something of your life, but I want you to just to pause, and my invitation is, come to me, you who are weary, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your soul as you walk with me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the most important thing that I can share with you in terms of dealing with pressure is that Jesus is our rest. The Sabbath, in fact, was a foreshadowing of Jesus. It was a foreshadowing of Jesus. He is the fulfillment of the shadow because the Bible tells, him, tells us in, in Hebrews 4 that there remains a rest for the people of God, that those who are in Christ have rested from their works as God did from His after He created the world. So we live in the Sabbath when we live in Jesus. We're not working for our righteousness. We're not working for our, for our significance. We're not working for our identity. We have all of that already in Christ. So he is our rest, and he teaches us. There's a process here where he teaches us to walk with him and to rest in him as we go forward. How Jesus himself dealt with the pressures that he faced teaches us something about his heart, some of the elements of his character, and I just want to encourage you with these few things this morning. The first one is that Jesus always took time to be alone and to pray. If you're dealing with pressure in your own life, remember the fact that Jesus always took time to be alone and to pray. Mark 1 verse 35 says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus got up early. He's like, I need to get out of here. Crowds are hounding me. Uh, Pharisees are dogging me. Uh, People are coming after me. I've got so much I have to do today. So the first thing I need to do is I need to get out, and I need to be alone, and I need to spend time with God. You see, if we don't do this, what happens is we get sucked into the pace of life. 
if you don't actually set some time aside to, to quiet your own heart and to remind yourself about the faithfulness of God towards you. I don't believe that prayer is what makes God faithful. I believe prayer is what reminds us that He is faithful. And so taking some time out to be alone and to go, God, I trust you in this, reminding yourself that you don't have to figure everything out in your own strength, but God is faithful and He is with you and He cares about you. The Bible says, cast your burdens onto Him. Why? Because He cares for you. He cares. If we don't do this, we just we get sucked into the pace of life where we just end up, we're waking up and we've got pressure and we've got to get ready because we've got that meeting and we, we've got to get the kids ready and we drop them off at school and we rush to the meeting. We forget to eat. We go to the next meeting. We quickly have to go and do this. Then we have to buy that and we have to go there and we have to sort this thing out. And there's a phone call and a crisis and a text and a WhatsApp and a message and an email and, and bills that are arriving and you arrive home and even the post box. Some people still use post and there's bills in there even. And there's just so much pressure that if you don't take time out to be alone and to pray, you can be completely overwhelmed. And so Jesus goes, I've got so much to do today. What I want to do is I want to just go be alone and I want to pray. I want to remind myself about what's really important in life. It's a time for reflection and perspective. And when you start praying like that, you realize that the things that felt very important are not that important as what it felt like before. Things that felt very urgent are not as urgent as they may seem. And this is what prayer really is to me. Prayer is about me declaring my dependence upon God. I'm saying that I need Him. When you don't pray, you're effectively saying, I can do this by myself. But when you speak to God, when you have fellowship with God, when you communicate with Him, what you're saying is, God, I cannot do this without you. Sadly, when we're under pressure, one of the first things that we stop doing is praying. That's one of the first things that we stop doing. But let me tell you how to experience more pressure than what you can handle when you think it's all up to you. When you think that overcoming the obstacles and, 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 and being able to sort your life out is going to be done in your own strength, that is how you will experience pressure. But when you're reminded of the love that God has for you, that's when pressure gets relieved. That's when you go, okay, I can give this to God because I know that He cares. So if Jesus had to pray, I'm pretty sure we would need to pray as well. If Jesus Himself had to go out and keep His eyes fixed on God, it wasn't a religious duty He was doing, it was a real relationship, then we would definitely need to do the same. So that's the first thing is that um, God is faithful, and we need to remind ourselves of that faithfulness. So let's take time out in our day. Get up a little bit earlier. Make a cup of coffee. Sit down and remind yourself that God is with you. You'll take the day on with much more vigor than you would have without that. The second point and the second thing I want to encourage you with is that Jesus is always motivated by compassion. He's just always motivated by compassion. He loves people. He never turned anybody away. He never said, look, I'm too busy for you right now, or I'm too tired, or I, you know, I, don't, I don't want to speak to you right now. All those who came to him, he healed, he touched, he delivered, he set free, because he cares. And so here's the thing that I'm trying to say. When we need Jesus, when we need healing, when we need uh, uh, to come to Jesus, he is always willing to receive us. 
He cares about us. He cares about people. And He has invited us to bring our weaknesses, our fears, our, our desires, our loneliness, our struggles, our weaknesses, our, our sicknesses, to bring it all to Him. He's promised that He would, he would give us rest. Because Jesus never gets sick of the sick and He never gets tired of the tired. He's always compassionate. I've thought in my own life so many times, like, I've, I've asked too much of God now. Uh, he, if He's done all this for me, there's no way that He could do more. And the fact of the matter is, God's grace is so abundant. He has the power to meet us and to meet us in every season, in every need. His grace is truly sufficient. So don't stop pressing into Jesus when the pressure hits. Trust in Him more than you would have before. And what happens is, the more we do this, the more we trust in God, the more we take our pressures and our stresses to Him, the more we experience His grace and His compassion, the more we're able to comfort others also. As He helps you to face difficult situations in the future, you can help others. And there's a grace that comes on your life to be able to do that. Charles Spurgeon says, the more we do for Christ, the more we may do. And I think usually the more we must do, if we hold back from Christian labor, we may think that little is required of us, but as soon as uh, we once enter heart and soul into the Master's service, we shall feel as if we needed a thousand hands and a hundred lives to overtake the growing demands upon us. The moment you get into it, there is a grace, there is a passion that develops to help and to do and to serve, and it's God's grace that's with us. So the second point there is that Jesus is always motivated by compassion. Number three is that Jesus interrupts the urgent for the important. Jesus interrupts the urgent for the important. It tells us that there were, there were people that, that were uh, pushing in on Jesus on all sides. There was pressure on all sides. And he could have stood in one place just praying for people nonstop for all three years of his ministry, and he wouldn't have been able to pray for everybody that was there. And so there's a lot of urgency, there's a lot of needs, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. But at one point, Jesus, the Bible tells us, withdraws from them and goes up to the mountain. And then he calls his disciples to him. And at that, in that moment, he appoints them as disciples, prays over them, and gives them the authority to be able to go and minister in the same way that he ministered. Now think about what Jesus is doing here. He is ministering to people, but at this point, he's the only one doing it. And what he's saying is, I don't want to just be the only one doing it. I want to delegate my power. I want to delegate the, the ministry and the responsibility to leaders that I have chosen. And so he calls them up, and he leads them. He trains them. He raises up leaders. That is vitally important because Jesus knew that he wouldn't be physically here on earth forever. He would work through his church. And so he interrupts the urgency of all the people that need prayer to go and do what is vitally important to the future of the church, to delegate, to raise leaders, to empower. And so we need to sometimes take stock and go, what's really important? And then focus on what's important for the future rather than what's urgent right now. We can be ruled by the tyranny of urgency. And so let's make sure we have our priorities in the right order regarding this. 
In week three, I'm also going to talk to you about how we often carry things that we're not meant to because we don't want to empower others and trust others. So we take all of the pressure on ourselves because it's actually a trust issue. It's a control issue where we start striving for significance and, and we work harder and we make more sacrifices and, and, uh, and we spend money buying things that we, we don't really need and we run after things and, and then we, we feel the pressure of all of those things. It blinds us from focusing on the things that are really important in life. You can just get stuck on this, on this treadmill. How many people have lived their lives and gotten to the end of it with countless regrets? How important was that meeting really? How, how, how much more valuable would it have been to spend time with your family or to, to do things that really matter in life? What really matters? I find it ironic that so many times if you've worked for a company for 20 years or 25 years, they often give you a clock or a watch. <laughs> like, thank you for the time that you've put in. But it's almost ironic because it's also time so often that you have sacrificed and taken away from other areas of your life like your family, like other things that are important for you to do, like your relationship with God, like your serving within the family of God, within the church. And so let's not get caught up in what's temporal rather than eternal, right? And that's what Jesus did. He was able to interrupt the urgent for the important the final, the final point is that, and this is just to encourage you today, Jesus has relieved all of our greatest pressures. Like we have pressure in this life. We have financial pressure. We have relational pressure. We have work pressure. We have family pressure. We have all of that. But you know what we don't have the pressure of? Trying to earn our righteousness. You know what we don't have the, the pressure of? Being lost for eternity. You see, Jesus faced the greatest pressure in the history of mankind when he went to the cross. And the Bible says he took that pressure for the joy that was set before him. He took that pressure so that our greatest pressures could be relieved. Can you imagine having the pressure of not being right with God? Can you imagine having the pressure of not being able to discover what your purpose is in life and to be able to be a part of something that genuinely matters? See, I'm willing to take pressure as long as I know that what I'm involved with is God's plan for my life, that it has meaning, that it makes a difference, that it's changing people's lives. Then I'll take the pressure. I'll handle it, and I'll manage it, and I'll remind myself of who I am in Jesus. But I'm not afraid of a fight. I'm not afraid of working hard. I'm not afraid of getting stuck in. I'm not afraid of doing whatever it takes because I know that what I'm doing matters. And the little bit of pressure I might face logistically in this world it's nothing to me because I know who I am in Christ. I'm not worried about my relationship with God. I'm not worried that God might reject me. I'm not worried that, that I might miss my purpose in life because I know the gospel. I know how much Jesus loves me, and I know that I'm on the path that he has for me. So in Jesus, our greatest pressures have been removed. Our, our fear of judgment, our fear of condemnation, our fear of being abandoned or rejected by God have all been taken away. And so we can roll with the pressures of life. In fact, we can ask God 
to give us more of the kinds of pressures that come from serving Him. We could sometimes do with some more good pressure in our lives as opposed to just running around. Some pressure that comes from fulfilling your purpose. Some pressure that comes from fulfilling your destiny. Some pressure that comes from being the husband that you desire to be, the wife that you desire to be, the, 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 the father or the mother. Sometimes that, that those are pressures, but those are good pressures. Let's have more of those kinds of pressures as opposed to running after things uh, that we're so desperately trying to be. Even our own relationships with God can sometimes become pressure to us if we don't know the gospel, if we don't know who we are in Christ. Let's ask God to give us more of the kind of pressures that come from serving Him, that come from extending His love and compassion to others. And remember that when life gets too much, it's never too much for Him. It's never too much for Him. He's shaping us, He's molding us, and He's causing us to become the people He's created us to be. And so these are just the the four things that we find in Jesus' life that I wanted to encourage you with today as we look at pressure. Um, And I've got so much more that that I'm going to share with you next week. We're going to look at some practical things. We're going to look at how we think about pressure and and think about stress. Um, But the most important things for today is that Jesus always took time to be alone and to pray. He's always motivated by compassion, so he'll receive us and is there for us to care for us and to look after us. He interrupts the urgent for the important. And number four, he has relieved us ultimately of our greatest pressures. And so the pressures of life pale in comparison. Does that encourage encourage you a little bit today? I hope that that helps. Let's let's go ahead and, and, and pray together.